Hello, and welcome to the Still To Determined podcast, the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. To make that a lot easier, here I am with Matt Farrell. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> I'm Sean Farrell. I'm a writer, and I'm the question giver uh, with the blah, blah, blah. And with me is Matthew. Hello, everybody. I'm, of course, Matt Farrell from Undecided, where I talk about smart and sustainable technologies. That's his blah, blah, blah. That's my blah, blah, blah. And today we're going to be talking about the episode from February 25th, which is titled Tesla Update, Final Notice, and the Trade-Off of Cloud Services. The big takeaway from this one is that nothing that you buy will last forever. (laughs) Is that pretty much it in a nutshell? Yeah, that's pretty much it in a nutshell, yes. The starting point of this episode was that Tesla announced a update and more than just an update to the software. They announced that at a certain point, people who didn't take the update would stop getting any updates. Is that accurate? Yes. And and to be clear, it's not a punishment. It's because there's something on the back end of the technology that has changed. That means people who aren't up to date won't be able to get updates. And they haven't said what specifically the reason for that is. It could be anything from software security to the functionality of the vehicle, something you know efficiency related, but they haven't said specifically, here's why we won't be providing you with future updates. I actually did find out what is going on. Um, after I put my video out, uh, a viewer reached out to me who's part of the uh, Tesla hacking community. Um, there are people out there, just like how you can jailbreak an iPhone. Mm. There are groups of Tesla owners that basically root their Teslas to be able to do what they want with their cars. Mm. And one of those people reached out to me and uh, (laughs) he walked me through in great detail how they do it, what they're able to do, and gave me some really interesting insights into the back end of how this all this is put together. Mm. And uh, to say it was eye opening would be an understatement. And what's actually happening is the way the car, this is going to get a little technical for a second, but the way the cars communicate to the mothership and it actually is called the mothership in code, which is what I find hysterical. Of course it is. Yeah. It's mothership.tesla.com is where it phones home to. Um, They used, basically it would create a VPN tunnel. So it used this open protocol called open VPN to create a VPN tunnel between the car and Tesla to communicate. And that's what it's been doing for years. And what they're doing is there's a technology in, uh, web technologies is called web sockets. And I worked as a designer for 20 years. And it's like the companies I was working at were using web sockets as a newer technology for two-way communication and they're moving to web sockets. So essentially what's happening is, uh, they're going to turn off the open VPN, mm. <laughs> which means cars that haven't updated to the most recent firmware will be trying to communicate over the VPN tunnel, which no longer will exist after May 1st. They effectively will be little islands. They will no longer have any means of getting in touch with the mothership. Correct. Anytime they try to phone home, it's nobody's going to answer. And so that's the, the reason why they're moving to WebSockets is a big question mark. I mean, it, it makes sense to me because it's a modern technology. It's going to open up a lot more possibilities for them to do things. Right. So this may be laying the bricks to actually build a better system um, than what they had before, which undoubtedly it is. Uh, but there may be other things they're playing on doing because of this that this will unlock. Uh, so it's a, it's a very simple reason why people's cars will just be come islands, which is I, I, I found fascinating. That is that is fascinating. And did he did this person give you a sense of 
I mean, this is kind of the a question that is asked just to start the conversation as opposed to being a question that is asked because I don't actually understand something. So <laughs> I'm going to ask a question. that's going to make Sean sound like a complete Nimrod, but this is a podcast. We're supposed to be talking. Yes. What sorts of things are the people who hack into their vehicles in that way? What are they trying to achieve? They want to be able to do whatever they want to their cars. These tend to be like, if you think about it in the car culture, it's like people that, put bigger exhaust systems on their cars so that they can get higher, you know, better horsepower and better, you know, air through throughput through their cars so they get better performance. Basically people who soup up their cars. That's right. part, part of the reason why people do this. Um, like there's software lockouts within the, in the Tesla cars where it's like, if you have a performance, if you have like what I have an all wheel drive Tesla model three, the model above mine is the performance model. And there's actual differences in the software when you put it into performance mode that unlock, uh, I'm blanking on the word. I'm going to have to cut this out. Uh, We're not cutting this out. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm blanking on the word. Torque. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It unlocks additional torque, which is what gives you the really fast zero to 60 times, the, the off the line punch. And what they do is by rooting their car they can actually just turn that feature on for their car even though they didn't buy the performance model or there's even people in the community that actually write their own modified soft firmware themselves to give themselves different performance features that tesla isn't even doing at all for their cars so it it allows them to tinker and tweak and do what they want would you have an example of what sorts of things those would be because i i'm First of all, I don't even own a car. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you're talking to a guy who, when he did own a car, I was like, gas goes in hole. Yeah. Well, it's press pedal. Go. (laughs) That was my entire appreciation of a car. The most things I have ever done. The the biggest thing I've ever done under the hood of a car was find a cat. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's disturbing. (laughs) Yes. It was, it was a cute little cat. It was a little kitten. Did it make the car go faster? It did, (laughs) (laughs) but you had to keep prodding it with a cattle rod in order to get it to run faster. Yeah. Uh, no, that story was, I heard a meowing and I realized it was coming from inside the car, which sounds like a weird horror movie. (laughs) And I opened up the, the hood and found a very filthy, probably six week old kitten. Oh, that's right. And I ended up giving it to my landlord and the cat ended up being fine. And you know, good ending to a weird story, but like, I'm the guy who doesn't understand. Um, I understand how combustion engines work, but I couldn't get into the, under the hood of a car. I couldn't do anything to tinker with anything. And then on top of that, you have a fully electric vehicle, which is effectively running with a computer brain. Yeah. And to me, I think when you get in the car, you press the pedal, it goes. Yeah. What other advantages are you looking for? Because I've, I've ridden in your car with you driving and you are in Massachusetts and you get us onto the turnpike and pretty quickly it's like, well, you're slowing down because the traffic is congested and you're driving in a car just like every other car. And everybody who's in that souped up vehicle is currently going 30 miles an hour with you because you're all moving with traffic. Yeah. 
So part of me wonders, like, what exactly, what sorts of things are they taking advantage of? And is this kind of the aficionados going down a rabbit hole? It's more that. It's more people that are, some of these people, like the guy I talked to, he clearly gets enjoyment out of just doing it. Right. Like there's, there's a satisfaction. He's a, he's a, he know, understands computers and programming and he just has fun uh, tinkering. Sort of like hackers who hack the State Department just to see if they can do it. Yeah. But then there's also the belief in ownership and the right to repair and have control over your car. And right. like the guy I talked about who did his own firmware, like the firmware for like a performance model three, it has motors on the front and the back wheels. So it has two motors and the software is doing very sophisticated things to control the torque of each motor when you're gunning it. And when you're doing cornering and turns and things like that, it's constantly doing micro adjustments to how each wheel is getting torque and power so that you don't spin out and get out of control. And uh, like think about like you're racing a car around a track. So it's doing very sophisticated things to make sure that you're not fishtailing and losing control of the car when you're gunning it. Uh, So this guy taking making his custom firmware, what he did was on a single motor rear wheel drive car, this kind of software doesn't exist. So what he did was he took the four-wheel, the, the two-motor version, modified it to take only the segments, the sections that are off of the rear-wheel motor and put, applied it to his car. So he, was, he created, he handcrafted <laughs> a firmware that gives him more performance from just the single-motor version of the car that Tesla hasn't even done themselves. Right. So it's like... It's it's really meant for track driving or like it's going to give you that extra little boost. So when you're getting onto the pike, and you're trying to merge with traffic. When you hit the pedal, you're going to go a little bit faster. A little more pickup, right? Yeah. So it's like there is real world application, but a lot of this comes down to people who also like to actually race their cars. Right. And I can't help. I mean, that raises sort of an interesting question. There are things that are illegal to mod your car with. Oh, yeah. At what point does it become illegal to mod your software? That that's my question. I was talking to him about there are things that you could do to your car that could technically make it very dangerous. And yeah. that's part of the reason why I think Tesla is like trying to lock does it down. not want people to do this. It's the same reason why Apple doesn't want people to root their iPhones. Um, it's it. If something bad happens to your device, like let's say you do something to your car and your car spontaneously combusts. Yeah. <laughs> that The news report is going to be Tesla, Tesla Model 3 kills, explodes yeah, and yeah. kills driver. And it's like, well, then the report a week later that nobody reads or hears about is, well, this guy actually rooted his car and like, well, the guy was car. licking the battery. So, right. So it's like Tesla, of course, doesn't want people to get hurt. That's the first thing. And the second thing is they don't want the bad press. So they want to make sure that their cars are as safe as possible and they want to avoid any legal ramifications. So I can understand why they'd want to lock this down. And the the guy I talked to described it as the same thing with Apple. It's like, it's like a cat and mouse game. The hackers figure out a way to root things in and do stuff. And then Mm -hmm. a month or two later, Tesla will put out an update that blocks that. And then the hacking community finds a way, a new way to get around that. It's like, it's basically a battle of wits and creativity. It's, it's fascinating what they're doing. Right. (laughs) But it's it's a, it's not something that will ever stop because it's it's like a game of whack-a-mole. As soon as they plug one security hole that allows them to do something that they didn't think about, another they, the team well, finds human nature. another way. I mean, yeah, you know, exactly. we all, you know, as as, a, as kids and maybe even sometimes as adults, people pick their scabs, and yeah, yeah. You, you just can't avoid it. There's that curiosity factor, and 
and with greater skill comes greater desire to keep looking underneath and seeing how things work. So the person who has that knowledge of how to get in and do the programming stuff is going to continually be curious. He's never going to stop or she's never going to stop saying like, Oh, what, what is the current update doing? I want to go back to something you, you touched on. You, you mentioned the idea of ownership a little while ago, and this is something you and I, you know, chatted about briefly prior to starting this recording, which was your video is about both obsolescence and ownership. And in your comments on the video, there's a, there's a few comments that they're at basically polar opposite ends of the spectrum. There are people who are like, this is great advice, Matt. Thanks. You know, let the update go by and then wait a few weeks so that they can tweak that update and add in, you know, oh, we inadvertently created a bug. We fixed it. Now here's this new update, update point one. So you've got comments like that. And at the other end, you've got comments that are saying this is not acceptable. The idea that I no longer fully control and own the ownership aspect becomes a, a huge barrier for some people. And you have a comment on your video from Matt at war, which is I will keep my non-subscription slash update car. They can't just disable my car feature or change where my volume button is. I liked the final part of that moving the volume button on you. I think his comment is indicative of a, of a mindset, which is very easily understood. I'm not you know calling anybody out for being, um, having passe thinking or not agreeing with them. I do agree. If you've paid for, you know, literally tens of thousands of dollars for a product, there is that idea of it's yours. You should be able to do with it as you want and not have the company of origin coming in and say, oh, you know, that feature, we're going to disable that. That's not going not going to be available anymore because that feature may in fact be one of the big selling points for you. Um, but I do wonder if Matt at war and that mindset is going to become passe just because companies are going to take the approach that you describe in your video, which is, are we no longer purchasing ownership? Are we actually purchasing access and access being a thing that as the product evolves and eventually hits a point of this component can no longer do what our vision for this product is. So if you want to continue with this product, you have to pay for a new one. Right. And that's a big shift. Yep. Yeah. That becomes a shift of almost leasing or renting as opposed to purchasing. Yes. And have we reached a point with some products where we should two things as a society reframe what we mean by ownership and on an individual basis, take a slightly different approach in what we consume and how we consume it so that maybe I as an individual consumer should start thinking about leasing instead of owning. So I guess, you know, to take those two things individually, what do you see? We'll take the, the latter first. What do you see as a reasonable approach for a person in coming to the question of, should I buy a new phone or should I lease a new phone? Should I buy a new car? Should I lease a new car? <laughs> this, is, this is tough to answer because it really depends on you as a person. But as we've become more dependent on cloud services for these devices that we all get a lot of value out, out we get a lot of value out of these things. 
there's a reason why things have shifted this direction because we all like it. It's like we all like this phone that is connected to all these different things and smart speakers that are connected to all these music services that I can just speak out loud and we'll just start playing music and it just works. People don't buy music anymore. People have subscriptions to Apple Music and Spotify. We've gone down this path because it's the path of least resistance and it also offers us great benefits. But there's this negative side that comes with it. I think as people, we have to kind of grapple that and decide for ourselves, am I the kind of person that cares deeply about owning or am I fine giving up the ownership because of all these other amazing benefits I'm getting out of it? And you have to kind of make that decision on your own. So it's like, I don't think there's a one size fits all here. So it's like, there's people that if you care deeply about ownership, do not buy a Sonos speaker because <laughs> there's going to be a point at which that speaker will stop working. What you should do is you should buy a dumb speaker that sounds amazing and then plug whatever source you want into it. And then if that thing that's giving you the source of music changes, you can quickly swap it out to something else and your wonderful speakers still are there. If you get more benefit out of the services that you're getting out of that Sonos speaker, then get the Sonos speaker. It's 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 one of those, it's a person by person thing, which takes me to Tesla specifically where what Matt brought up it's like if he cares that deeply about ownership and want, not wanting things to move around, he shouldn't have bought a Tesla. I right. mean, it really comes down to that because Teslas are basically just big iPhones with wheels. And so you're buying a computer that that's has wheels. A, that's an image that I will not be able to get out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> People hurtling down the road yeah. on effectively a giant tablet. Yeah. <laughs> Sliding around, holding on for your life. <laughs> It's it drives a itself. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's one of those, if you feel that strongly about it, you shouldn't have bought the car. Um, and to my opinion, it's going to sound really harsh, but that's kind of on you. It's like, right. at the same time, like I brought up in the video, I'm not sure when this switch happened because we just kind of got here and like looking around my house, I'm a, <laughs> I tend to live on the edge of technology, but a huge portion of the stuff in my house could just stop working at any point because the company goes out of business and those servers that make that thing work shut down. Yeah. And it's one of those, I wasn't paying attention to when this shift happened. It, it just, I just discovered I'm in the deep end of the pool. <laughs> Didn't realize yeah. how deep into the pool I was. I remember when televisions with built in VCRs. Yes. First arrived on the scene and I was talking to, this was back when I was in college or graduate school. I don't remember which one. I think it was graduate school. And I was talking to somebody about it and I was not in the market for something, but I was talking to a couple of people and somebody mentioned, Oh, you should get one of those TVs with a VCR built into it. And this other person said, Oh, I'd never buy one of those. And this other person said, why? And he said, well, a TV can last 10 years, but most VCRs only last two. Yeah. And it was kind of a, the rest of us in the conversation kind of, huh? Yeah. Never thought of it that way. That was 25 years ago. Yeah. You know, the, the, the creep of additions to the tech that we consume and you mentioned dumb speakers in place of smart speakers. I'm that way about TVs. I'm looking at my television. I, the, the, TV that I have is actually one that you gave me. You live at the edge of, of technology and I live at the <laughs> edge of that edge yeah. because I get your hand-me-downs <laughs> and 
the television I have is great and it seems to be working perfectly and it's, it's getting older, but it doesn't seem to be having any problems, but I have a sound bar attached to that television and the sound bar readout some of the led uh pixels have clearly died so it will say volume one it's actually seven but the top line of the seven is invisible right <laughs> so you know <laughs> volume one and you click up and now oh it was at seven it's not it's not at eight um it's you know volume four no it's actually a nine uh and it's acting persnickety in a very unusual way, which is the volume will go up and down as you need it to, but it refuses to turn off. So you'll hit the off button on the remote and it's a question of, okay, is our remote dying? <laughs> is the soundbar dying? And I'm looking at them as which one am I going to have to replace first? I'm kind of waiting to see which one is actually dying because I'm not sure if, which one it is. Right. But both of them are effectively stupid devices. My remote is a cheap universal remote that was like 25 bucks. And the sound bar is not a smart sound bar. I actually saw that there is a Roku sound bar. Yeah. And for about 15 seconds, I thought Roku sound bar, that sounds interesting because then you'd have a Roku built right into, and then it occurred to me like, would I want that? Yeah. (laughs) Is that really what I'm, is that what I'm looking for? A Roku built into my sound bar? And the television is a great TV, but it's not a smart TV. And I'm glad for that because any, the more stuff that gets packed in, the more opportunity for something not to work and the less opportunity for me to mix and match as I need to. Right. So I'm not even sure how this connects, but just this past Friday, um, my girlfriend gave me a call. I was at work. It was lunchtime. She called me and she said, can you come home? Urgent. I'm like, uh oh, what happened? She's like, the basement is full of water. Oh God. (laughs) I'm like, all right. So she's like, I, yeah, she's, she's like, I'm not sure if it's coming out from the water heaters, but it, there's a lot of water near the door we, we rent. And so where we rent the water heaters in a front room that we don't really have access to, but it's on the other side of a door, which we can use to get out of the building. And that's where a lot of the water was. So she ends up calling the landlord. I head home. The landlord comes. He's cleaning up all the water. Uh, he, he immediately is like, yeah, this is all the water heater. He's like, this is not only is this a lot of water, it's hot water. So, you know, this is clearly from the water heater. He turns it all off. He cleans everything up. I'm asking questions like, when will this be fixed? He's like, I'm going to go get a new hot water heater right now. Put it in. It's going to be done. Um, it wasn't, I don't think it was our, it was not our water heater. It was actually one of our neighbors, but mm-hmm. he wanted to make sure it was all done and complete before that neighbor even came home. So from her perspective, nothing happened. Right. But from our perspective, we had water in the basement. But anyway, he said to me at one point, yeah, I'm going to have to go find the warranty for this water heater. And I thought warranty on I said, is it a new water heater? How old is it? He, and he's, oh, I don't even know. It's, it was here when I bought the building like 40 years ago. And I thought, <laughs> what kind of warranty is he anticipating having <laughs> that yes. he thinks the water heater is going to be covered? But for all I know, maybe it was because yeah. a water heater is a water heater. So by the end of the day, I went outside to go to the grocery store. There was a massive water heater tank 
and uh, cardboard box in the garbage in front of the building. So it's like, okay, he already did it. He's done. It's this giant tank that just heats up the water and that's all it does. And from his perspective, it might still be under warranty. You've got a car, which is how many years old, or I've got a phone, which is my phone is, I think less than a year, maybe a year and a few months. And I have no expectations that if my phone dies, that I am still under warranty. It's just, it's become part of my lived experience that the higher level technology is just, I'm kind of on my own when it, when it breaks down. And here was this exact opposite mindset, which was, oh, this water heater has been here for probably 50 years. I might still be under warranty. I'm like, good for you. I mean, like, I hope it is, but I'm, I'm left wondering about the, the idea of ownership. And that brought me to my earlier mentioning of, of two questions on the personal level and on the societal level. And I wonder if as just across the board as a society, we are coming to a point where we're just willing to let companies walk away. Right. I, I don't think we are. It's kind of a big question. I really don't think we are. I think there would be, uh, there's already a movement of people for the right to repair. There's a movement from people like that are, there's a backlash to like what Matt brought up in his comment. I think there's a group of people that are going to be so vocal that that, won't happen but the what ownership means is drastically changing so you brought up like would you lease or own it's like i think there's certain aspects of certain kinds of technologies where we'll probably end up in a path where we're leasing like there may be a point where you're no longer buying a phone you're just leasing a phone you right. know because every two three years you're just getting a new one and go to the next one because the technology is changing so fast it's like why would you want to own it it may turn out to be the same thing with cars car ownership is probably going to vanish anyway and it's going to turn into a like a ride of autom- autonomous ride sharing fleet. So it's like people won't want to own a car. People won't want to own a phone because the day to day cost of renting or leasing or one off use is going to be so much less than what it cost to own the thing before. It's going to benefit everybody. So it's like I think there are certain pockets where it's going to make everybody's going to go along willingly. And then there's going to be other pockets of things like water heaters. Yeah. <laughs> there's gonna be other pockets of things where people will still want to own and have warranties and hold companies accountable for a very long period of time. I don't think there's gonna be a one size fits all for different categories of products. I think it's going to be pockets of technology that's right. going to, this is going right. to happen. in. And it goes back to two things that have come up in previous episodes around different aspects of this, which is fighting ignorance on the part of the individuals, Mm -hmm. what their rights are and advocacy on the part of individuals to reach out and ask for there to be policies and, and to push back against companies and to communicate with companies. There's been some success stories around uh, very vocal pushback from the public and companies changing policy simply because they recognize, oh, the consumer base is going to leave us if we don't shift. Exactly. So it's those two things, both the, the education and the, the advocacy. Yeah. That's, that's part of the reason I made that the video was, was in this specific instance, I think Tesla's doing the right thing for sure. But at the same time, it raised the question of me, of me going, Oh my God, there's like so much stuff in my life that could just stop working if the company walked away. And it just made, made me raise the question of, I think, uh, we all should probably think about this a little bit. <laughs> Big changes. Yeah. Big changes in ownership. So let us know what you think about all of this. 
We'd love to hear from you in the comments on Matt's video, or you can reach out to us on Twitter through still TBD FM. You can reach me at by Sean Farrell or Matthew at Matt Farrell and at undecided MF. You can watch the latest videos every week on YouTube at undecided with Matt Farrell. And you can find this podcast at still tbd.fm. You can subscribe to us through any of the usual suspects, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Please be sure to leave a rating, leave a review, and share us with your friends because that really helps the podcast. The podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. And then Matthew helps me. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. And we'll talk to you next time.